Hello folks, Tyler here. We're looking to do a big surge on iTunes. We really want to push the old iTunes, you know, get us up the charts a bit, because I know you lot are lovely and supporting all over. Um, so if you fancy it, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, make sure to leave a five-star review and a couple of lovely words as well, just to uh, you know, help us up a bit more and get that extra bit of support. Thank you very much. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello, and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. We look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the cream middles of The Simpsons Season 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm, of course, your host, Tyler McCrane. Join with me as um, a regular occurrer uh, in and amongst the podcast there, and um, they're knuckling down in uh, Nottingham in the steel compound, if you will, and Doing the best with the creativity and, um, you know, under the current situation we have. It's course, um, Sash Steele. Sash, how are we doing? Hey, Tyler. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to have something to break up the um, sameness of quarantine. Yeah, it's pretty good. I uh, hope everyone's staying inside and washing their hands. I'm um, trying not to get cabin fever, trying to keep busy. Uh, but yeah, I don't have coronavirus yet, so that's quite, that's a, that's always a plus. Yeah, oh, how yeah, are you doing? Definitely. I'm not too bad. Um, fortunately, I suppose it's an update for a lot of folks. Now being able to work from home, there was a whole mad 24 hours, folks. A lot can happen in one day. I was made unemployed, and then I was busy thinking, oh well, this I'll just treat it like a, you know, a three week holiday. And um, thankfully, um, they managed to ring me back and say, hey, can you get your computer home? We'll work here from home. And I'm glad I did now because I. I mean, it's going to go well past three weeks now with the um, the old lockdown. So I'll just say I'm very glad I've got some sort of job to keep me sane. You know, there's only so much peep show and touching myself I can really deal with. So every little blessing. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, um, I'm glad. I know you did tell me about that weird uh, time you had over the course of a day. Your life changed about two or three significant times. Um, I know it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> This whole thing is just completely wild. But hey, here we are. I guess um, there are consistencies uh, in life. Death, taxes and Simpsons podcasts. And so here we are for um, a recording of our latest, your latest episode, I suppose. Yeah, you're damn right. And that episode we're going to be reviewing today is Pig Molian from Season 11, Episode 16. Directed by Mark Kirkland, written by Larry Doyle. With the original air date being February the 27th, 2000, and the couch gag being that Matt Green himself ends up sneaking into the Simpsons living room and sticking his signature down on the floor. Now, um, season 11, a later season, um, you know, people obviously say, oh, this is where they're dipping and they're dipping hard. But, Sash, what are your, um, any nostalgia for this episode or, you know, any bits uh... you remember initially? No nostalgia. I did remember what happened. Um, I remembered more or less the plot i missed a lot i remembered i didn't remember a lot of the jokes uh some of the smaller jokes but i sort of remembered generally how it went um it's it's a good one to be honest i think um i guess the simpsons being what it is everything has to go back to the status quo but uh this could have been a leap enough point for an interesting sort of change in the series if that was kind of the kind of show that the simpsons was but it isn't so um that's kind of a shame i guess but overall, fairly enjoyable. Some strong, um, some strong jokes. 
what about you? What are your initial kind of thoughts on this one? Well, we always seem to associate seasons 11 and 12 with um, me having me and my family having Sky for the first time and they were putting these new episodes out, or they were new at the time, uh, on Sky 1. And this one always seems to escape me from uh, season 11. But, um, spoilers folks, it's actually quite solid for, you know, quote, later season Simpsons there. So, um, yeah, um, we'll get into it now. Uh, it starts off with Evergreen Terrace there, the sun is just rising and, you know, oh, shock horror, there's a fire going on. Homer's busy screaming, oh, everyone get out, everyone get out, and everyone's grabbing their stuff there. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it's aged well for it's now just a more, um, woke as the kid says, but I'm just a bit sad of Marge. What's her um, <laughs> what's her favourite thing she can't live without that she's got to take out of this burning inferno? Oh yeah, it's a fucking vacuum cleaner. She, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she can't ha- have anything of worth. It has to be something domestic. Um, I kind of feel like that uh, speaks to how practical Marge is. Or not practical, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, oh, this is something useful. Not necessarily useful in this context, but... Uh, the thing that made me laugh was Lisa grabbing an attendance award. Oh, what yeah. Grab? Do we see what Bart grabs? He just grabs a dog, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. His heart's in the right place, but... Oh, attendance, that's... I mean, out of all of them, surely. That one really made me laugh. Um, I had actually forgotten how this started, so it was like, oh, fire, fire, what's going on? And then, so the reveal when Homer um, is like, oh, we're going to the beer festival. That was also a reveal for me as the audience. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake, Homer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, um, it's the very typical thing, like, again, especially with these later seasons, that, you know, the first inciting instant is just to another inciting instant to really kick off the episode there. And, you know, a lot of Simpsons podcasts have issue with it. I'm 50-50 on it. If it's really egregious... Uh, you know, I might take umbrage with it, but um, you know, this is all right. This is all right. This is getting us on track, folks. And we are uh, at the Duff Beer Festival there, and there's all umpire bands and such. But before they all kick off the fun, there we get one of the stewards saying, "Ah, oh, which one of you is the designated driver?" And Marge begrudgingly accepts that role, and he says, "Oh, you want to come with me then?" And it's the I've got it up here on the old screenshot. Duff designated driver's rocking fun zone. And it's just a, it's a barbed wire pen. They just the heard them in. Barbed wire is kind of unnecessary, <laughs> says Marge, and I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> One of the key activities there is um, not quite a drunk tank, but a drunk experience. Um, great fun for your kids. It's one of the um, they caught the tipsy well here, but I mean I've seen it in a lot of uh, fun fairs and festivals, and that's a big sort of a uh, zero g um, spinning chair thing. Did you ever go on one of these, Sash? No, I didn't, but I really want to. When I was watching this, I was like, that looks like it's really fun. Um, the more extreme versions are the ones, you know, where they're really high up and they're like on a uh, bungee elastic cord and they shoot you oh, up God, in the air yeah. and you come back down. They always make me squeamish, but um, they look they look fun. They look intense. I did go on one of these um, zero-G chairs the once and I got bet by quite a few of my mates. Oh, um, you know, when you get out of there, just bomb it straight away. <laughs> And then I did that and went whack right into the side of the waltzes there. I just didn't think, I thought, right, I, I know I know where the muddy path is there. Yeah, we'll just fucking bomb it there. But no, it was, I was, I, my feet were literally too quick for me. And I even slipped a bit and I almost fully caved my head in into the side of the waltzes there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <This> is... awful. <laughs> yeah, 
Wow, um, I'm glad this episode could bring back that fond memory. For it's you. not even like there was money. It was just like, yeah, I'll do it. I've got to get this clout. Bart ends up going in this chair there. And um, yeah, um, I think it's quite cute. You get to see the kids, you know, quote, uh, having the feeling of being drunk. Even the woman operating the ride says, oh, now you're charming. Oh, you don't know me. <laughs> Bart walks off and then he's greeted by Milhouse saying, this guy, this guy's the guy right here. Um, and what kind of um, what kind of mood are you when you're typically drinking, Sash? Are you more friendly like Bart and Mill? Uh, you more friendly like Millhouse, or are you a bit, you know, begrudging like uh, Bart? I'm quite a cheerful drunk, I think. Um, yeah, it was my birthday recently. Uh, had it was happy birthday to, some, to steal. To some wine. Um, had a nice had a nice time uh, skyping the family and friends. Uh, and yeah, my tolerance is nil now after being in lockdown and not having <laughs> gone out for a good time. Um, but yeah, as I recall, it was a very cheerful, cheerful night. So I, I'm closer to Millhouse drunk on that scale. What about oh, you? What's I, your what's your? Uh... I think for me, I, I mean, out of the Barton Millhouse, I definitely lean more towards Millhouse. But then I don't know. I get quite. I don't know whether it be just cheeky or annoying or that, but especially if it's like house party and I know you're playing games and I think you've played um Mr and Mrs before haven't you yeah 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 you get you get um two people up and it's just it's just essentially playing on their ego and that and I just thought right it's throw under the bus time and that's (laughs) literally that's the I'm usually generally quite a nice person but I seem the savage side comes out more especially within these games and that I'm like oh most likely you get uh fingered behind Audi and it's just like two of them are male mates and like, what what I'm just like no go along with it go along with it yeah great <laughs> <laughs> oh I've been a fly on the wall on your uh teenage parties back in the day yeah teenage that that's that's it we now have the duff contest there the bartending contest and we've got duff man um he's featured in a episode or two before he was in the new york episode that um, we previously reviewed there and i'll reiterate what i said there i think he's an underrated tertiary character I and obviously agree. and i was gonna say i, guess, this I well. guess a few folks are sick of me in the old wrestling comparisons but he is a prototypical you know pro wrestling character there he's very much 80s you know his hot dogging and his grandstanding there and he works in small amounts i think they did a later episode involving him in the mid 2000s and showed him like the real life uh duff man when he loses his job and it was a good attempt but i think it's just i don't want to see the seriousness of duff man i want to hear the oh yeah and the gyration that i want in character duff man all right springfield belly up for the duff beer tender of the year contest <laughs> now fresh from his appearance before the house subcommittee on teenage alcoholism duff are you ready for some Duff love? All right. Today, we're going to find out which of these bartenders has the right stuff to dispense Duff. And now, the local lug who fills your mug with the drug you chug. Oh, yeah. Give it up for Mo Sislak. Now, our final round, which counts for 98% of the total score, making the previous rounds a complete waste. Ew! 
You said if I slept with you, I wouldn't have to touch the drunk. Duffman says a lot of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just absolutely nails it here. I mean, what do you think about um, Duffman himself? Yeah, big fan. Um, same here. He's just a really fun character that's not overused. Um, so whenever you see him, it's like, you know, I think once you, besides the episode that you mentioned that takes a more serious look, when Duffman appears in an episode, you sort of know it's going to be a certain tone, you know, just sort of like oh, yeah. lots of just silliness. Like, you know what you're going to get with Duffman um, in quite a good way. Uh, and also he's just highly quotable, you know. Duffman, oh yeah, it's just fun to say. Hey, that just... was good. I can imagine the gyration right now. So we but have yeah. our three competitors for the bartending contest. We've got a uh, uh, Mickey O'Shea or Flanagan or Potato or <laughs> whatever typical name they came up with there. Big strapping ginger lad. We've got Titania from um, Hooters Hollywood or whatever. And then we've got the local mug who fills your chug with a drink you. <laughs> Where, mm, what, like that. yeah whatever he says and ah oh, did you spot the little sort of awkward hyping himself up behind the curtain just oh, like a really nervous smile yeah yeah <laughs> classic awkward male yeah slicks back his hair does a little sort of on the spot chicken dance <laughs> shoulder shrug elbows sticking out sort of thing yeah he's not in his comfort zone here bless him no so we have them all lined up there and um i mean straight from the get-go it seems skewed that um Titania's obviously going to win there, playing up to the crowd, you know, uh, cracking good looks there. And we have the first um, round, which is, um, you know, talent pouring, you know. And we have a uh, big Mick O'Shea there. He's chopping cans in half and sticking them in pints there. And we have Titania doing some sort of titillation with the pumps. And Mo, um, what an efficient work there. I mean, if Witherspoons weren't such cunts in this current time, they could really snap him up. Gets, what, 30 pints on the go and spells out Duff. Oh, That's very impressive. What a man. But then, obviously, um, you know, Duffman sort of screwing him out there, saying, oh, you know, Titania clearly won that round. I'm not sure I'd like Titania pouring my drinks. How about you? <laughs> I was going to come up with no... I was really going to try you up with a smart joke there, but I think no comment would be best. I mean, you know, there'd be a lot more head, but hey, you know... Hey. <laughs> well never mind i was gonna say never mind let's just leave it at that we have the second round now which seems to be just general knowledge there and you know our oh, duff is brewed with you know barley hops and you know special chrysalide mountain and then straight away titania comes in with goat and uh, close enough like yeah the fix is in folks they're not even trying to hide it now and um we're now on to the third and final round um with a fine bit from duffman as well but this makes up 90 percent of the points making the last two rounds completely pointless and then oh are we skipping ahead a little bit but uh, no no cause... no we've got um mo's cheerleaders in the crowd because of course yeah. you know he's got his buddies homer lenny and carl um they're getting ready for their support all right guys one two three Mo. Lenny, you were supposed to be E. See what happens when you skip rehearsal. Yeah! All right, That's Mo. my move! They're doing the old, um, you know, paint a slogan on your gut, and then they reveal themselves for Mo, but oh, it's Moo instead. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't show up to rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. I like this. There's some really nice little bits of, like, dialogue here that's kind of understated, but also quite funny, and this is one of them. 
Uh, I do like some of the jokes in this episode. Oh, um, and they commit to it as well because you hear him going, "Come on, that's my move." Yeah, 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 yeah. They do a really nice job of throwing that little callback in there. And the final round itself is the you know barfly toss there, and you know obviously big Mick O'Shea there, big strapping Kirkody lad. He goes, chucks a barfly out, you know, and stay out there. And then we have Titania's not really willing to do it because there's some sort of. <laughs> she got given the creep out of all of them. God she did, bless to her. be fair. She definitely yeah. got the short end of that stroke. I wonder if they got to choose their drunks or whether they were assigned to them. No, they were clearly assigned there. But um, she even says, oh, you know, you said if I slept with you, I wouldn't have to do this. Duff man says a lot of things. But we have Mo about to attempt and he's even, he's must have had a ringer or so because he's got Barney as his uh, bar flight a toss there and you know he's not going to do it with physical force so he just seems to sort of walk off camera and Barney requires a baseball bat from somewhere ah, which I think has yeah. a nail in. Barney looks shit scared so he just makes a big leap for it and then um, it's, ne- it's literally neck and neck and then Barney acquires a lizard tongue and slips it out over the 12 foot line <laughs> and Mo wins Mo is gloriously the champion now and now he thanks you know uh big mick and um the the, the chick with the rack there mo he wins the prize he wins the prize of having his mug on a uh, the latest duff calendar and, you know gets the photo taken there and um yeah mo um he's got a he's got a face of character shall we say <laughs> Duffman with another great immortal line that's a mug you don't want to chug there but you know they've got they've got to find a way around it but they're not quite sure how they will get round it. We'll find out later there, folks. Yeah, that's really not a flattering angle for Mo, to be fair. No. That it's... full-on sort of, a, yeah, that full-on look. That full-facing angle is what I meant to say. It's not not the best one, not the most flattering. No. Um, but yeah, you'd think they'd whack some Photoshop on it or something, but maybe not even Photoshop can save, save Mo at this point. <laughs> no, he's too far gone. He's a... Uh... Fubar, as the kids say. We have, um, well, I'll say we end up starting the B plot there, but um, I don't know about you, Sash, but uh, there's not really much of a B plot. Um, I found it, it up much earlier than I thought it would. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just I know about you, but I found it really poor. I mean, just the fact that oh, it's all over a you know pink balloon elephant there and. I, I don't know. I just wasn't impressed, um, Sash. What I've... I'll keep it very brief. What I would have done... Um, I would have scrapped... I wouldn't have a B-plot, but I would just have it so... With the time that they ended up saying, which may have been one or two minutes, there's not that much into it. Um, I'd probably just have a montage of Mo when he's an actor just doing these commercials and that, and Homer reaping the benefits and getting these weird perks from it. But, um, I mean... Do you like the B-plot yourself, Sash, or...? Um, I like your idea. I think that could be quite fun. Um, Alternately, I guess, uh, rather than resolve the B-plot where they did, um, they could just have the balloon in the background of like a lot of different shots throughout the episode. That could have been quite fun. Oh, yeah. Just have it floating by like whatever window, sort of have some gags with it getting, you know, tangled in people's hair or like disrupting people's days or whatever could be quite a nice other way to do it but i do like your idea would have lent itself ah, well so you would have gone different parody commercials and things as well ah so you would have gone well till virtually the same amount of time at the end but it would just drip in and out there and oh you could have 
yeah, you can have Barton Looser on, I don't know, different kinds of vehicles trying to find it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like definitely. That. Like a little bit okay. of a musical montage in there, maybe. Something like that. I, I guess we'll just talk about it now and then we'll... Um, you know, we'll have our vegetables now and then get to eat the steak. Basically, the <laughs> the Duff um, Festival of speech there, but yeah, sure. Yeah, there we are. We have the Duff Festival end there, and Maggie gets given a big pink elephant balloon, takes it home, and Bart and Lisa are actually like, "Oh, you know, this is amazing that she can be that entertained with two cents worth of plastic there." And they get jealous, and they end up fighting over it, and you know, shock horror ends up, you know, getting squeezed out of a window, and it's the kids taking chase after it and ends up going into a big hotel building. Oh, you know, I'll give them credit. I liked one joke in that B plot where they're pursuing it on Lisa's bike and Bart's, um, you know, he's on top of her. And I'm why trying can't to... I? <laughs> Phrasing. Yeah. Why can't I sit on your shoulders? I'm not riding a girl's bike. Um, yeah. That made me laugh too. I also like the, uh, wait, don't worry, I'll get the bikes. And then Lisa goes, they'd better be hover bikes. And Bart's like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Just completely <laughs> forgets the urgency of the situation. It's fantasising about hover bikes for a moment. Yeah. But it's quite nice to have like this little moment between Bart, Lisa and Maggie as well, where they're like, mm. oh, look at Maggie, she's so cute with the balloon yeah. sort of thing. Because you don't really see them interacting all that much uh, as like a trio of siblings. So that was quite a nice little moment too. The whole ending of um, this B-pot is the pink elephant balloon goes into this conference building and um it's the well it's clearly the republican party but um the lgbt republican party which sounds like an oxymoron now in 2020 but they want a you know some sort of symbol that says yes we are proudly gay and proudly republican and that elephant comes in you know and uh, it's a little on the nose don't you think we have Bart and Lisa barrel through and say, oh, excuse me, that's our balloon, gets given it, and they say, ah, oh, good on you, now have this bumper sticker, and it's a gay president in 2084, and, um, you know, the punchline being, I oh, know, we're being realistic, and, um, yeah, I think that's <laughs> never been truer, as bitter and horrible as that is to say, Sash. Yeah, definitely. It's good to, because uh, I feel like a lot of Simpsons jokes have now sort of caught up with the time mm-hmm. i don't i can't really think of my phrasing you might have to edit this out but um for instance if there's a date or time referenced in the simpsons we've already sort of gone past a lot of them if you get me you oh, know yeah. if it says like oh the year 2000 um and it explicitly mentions the date we've sort of already gone past yeah. that obviously so like in 2084 i'm sure there'll be lots of screenshots of uh this and the simpsons already predicted that we would have a gay um president or whatever that'll be quite interesting to see load up the shit buzzfeed articles folks in 100 years good god (laughs) oh god so we're now back to the a plot now and moe's eagerly awaiting his calendar and homer rushes in like a giddy school kid with it you know they want to see it and he opens it up and what does he see sash um oh yeah he's uh He's not happy with the fact that they have covered his face with a sticker, uh, multiple stickers, actually. It's a very such a, a Mike Wazowski moment, you know. Ooh, I'm the uh, face nice. of the Duff calendar, except his uh, he's conveniently covered uh, <laughs> and pulls off a bunch of different stickers. I think there's a couple of uh, little visual gags in there. I can't call any of them. Uh, I want to Duff you up. Yeah, there we go. That's a fun one. 
um just various duff logos uh but yeah underneath is um the grotesque visage of moses Lack, and he has that moment i like of, the face he actually pulls when he realizes like oh god am i that ugly am i really that ugly Mo, it's all relative is lenny really that dumb is body that drunk is homer that lazy bald and fat Oh my god, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> See, this is why I don't talk much. Yeah, and then Carl has a little great moment here where he's like, Is Lenny really that stupid? Is Barney really that drunk? Is really Homer really that bald, lazy, and fat? And just calls <laughs> <everyone> break down. <laughs> this is why I don't talk much. Yeah. Now, what did you think about his sort of fourth wall break here? Again, I referenced some other podcasts. Um, some people don't really like that, but I mean, I'm I'm indifferent to it. I like when things break the fourth wall, uh, as long as it's not done too often. I think it's um, this one is nicely done because he could just as easily be talking to himself slash Mo as Mo's the only person who's sort yeah. of not collapsed on the bar crying, but also uh, does kind of give a nod to the fact that Carl's usually the quiet dude in the side of the bar in these kinds of scenes. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's all right. It's fine. Uh, I'm always always down for a bit of fourth wall breaking if it's if it's not too out of uh, tonally mismatched to whatever's going on. Uh, as a narrative device, are you not sort of a fan of it then, or you? No, I'm I'm fine with it. I can give or take it really, but I just never get why people get that um, wound out about it. I think it's still more of people saying, "Oh, you know this." Um, Mike Scully took over seasons nine to twelve. You know, he's the reason um, it's all horrible and da 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 da. And he killed the Simpsons and that. And like it was a myriad of things. And you're not going to put that all on, you know, a couple of fourth wall breaks and that. You know, so you know, it's just people not people overreacting, but people are just want to point the finger at someone there. But I think it works really well, and it's a lovely um, end to the first act. We come in with the second act, and Moe's just essentially saying, "My God, am I really that ugly?" And um, has it have, have you ever thought of this, um, Sash? Because um, Homer goes, "Oh, don't worry, there's a lot worse people." I mean, like, have you ever been to White Castle, which is an American burger chain? It's like, oh, Pigtown, USA. Now, obviously, you're a lovely, decent, kind person. You wouldn't really say a wrong word, but is there a certain <laughs> is there a certain location? I feel like you're, you're not supposed me into to laugh. Damn it! Um... <laughs> is there any sort of location or certain chain or you know i don't know restaurants or you know fast food places that you ever go in and think oh wow you know falling out the ugly tree every branch um i just don't really think about things in that way uh i feel like there's it's just it's a bit of a weighted thing isn't it be like oh look at all the scum in primark or mcdonald's (laughs) or whatever it's uh, <laughs> it's just not it's just not in the kind of uh, it's just not it's not in character for me <laughs> to really make those kind of comments I mean I can see where the low hanging fruit uh, mm. would be you know and if you put then if you're making that joke in the UK but um, you know we've all got to get our chicken nuggets at some point we've all got to get our uh, our leggings and our colourful socks and our Simpsons t-shirts from somewhere so you know don't judge no I can't say I've really done this but my dad is um very guilty he's numero uno as far as this and his go-to is um sports direct because apparently that's where they spend all the dull money and not on their teeth or the health so uh 
<laughs> I'll just leave it there. Again, this is one of my best bits. It's not my favourite moment, but oh, it's, it's very, very close where um, Mo's saying, Come on, look at me. I'm a gargoyle. What with the cauliflower ear there and the lizard lips. Little rat eyes. Cape man, bro. Don't forget that fish snout. Okay, I get it. I ain't pleasant to look at. Or listen to. Or be with. Everyone just jumps in on him, you know. Is this Toby Carvery? Because this is an absolute roast that's going on now. Oh, yeah, they're so they're brutal, aren't they? The little um, rat eyes, my favourite one there. And fish snout, caveman eyebrow. And then to top it all off as well, it's, oh, you know, I know I'm not much to look at or be around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Mo. I, yeah. Well, the thing is that, like, they're not entirely wrong because what have we known Mo up to this point? Is this bitter, resentful, um, grouchy man who runs a bar that he doesn't really enjoy running. Yeah, and as we see through the episode, that really sort of doesn't change. You know, if you're not happy internally, sort of, as Carl wisely points out and foreshadows, no amount of external happiness is uh, prettiness or, you know, success is going to fix that. You know, um, bit of a weighty model for the Simpsons, but uh, kind of a good one. But yeah, I think this says a lot about Mo's character this episode, uh, which, you know, as it's a Mo-centric episode, that makes sense. But yeah, it's quite, really sort of highlights a lot of his sort of attitudes and his uh, internal world, I guess. Yeah. And with Carl suggesting plastic surgery, uh, Mo is off, you know, who cares how he feels on the inside? It's all about the outside, baby. So he's, um, you know, straightway to the cosmetic surgery clinic there. And we have, you know, a typical plastic surgery doctor there like get off um nip tucked or botch or whatever um yeah and he's been just as disrespectful as you know Moe's so-called friends even with like a little a little atomic bomb noise saying like now this is a complete you know scorcher you need a full makeover there and he wants to start with the box because no 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 just focus on the face there and he he does all sorts of drawing on his face saying Move this here. Get rid of this. I've not even I've seen, seen one this. of those before. <laughs> <laughs> now we have Mo ready to undergo the operation there, and um, the anesthetist is just going, like, "Wow, look at that!" And he goes, "Oh, I know. Um, you know, you should see his genitals. Do you want to see his genitals? I'm awake here. Absolutely no Hippocratic oath there. If he's just going to willingly, <laughs> willingly expose him for fuck's sake." Damn, one of the worst. I feel like that goes under worst things to hear when you're in surgery. Oh yeah, have you hey, seen? Want to see this person's genitals? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen? Oh, it's one of the oldest Simpsons episodes. In fact, it was when Homer has to get a bypass surgery, and this is where you really get to see Doctor Nick in his full glory. And just as Homer goes out, he goes, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> <laughs> that might that might cap it. We now have Mo. He's you know surgery's finished there. We're tensely removing the bandages, and you know we get a nice bait and switch here. It turns out it's just some woman. All right, now you know, do Mo, and <laughs> we move on to Mo, and you know it's really tense. You know, will he be on the Wall of Fame or is Blooper real? And we get a reveal and a big gasp, and Mo saying, "Oh, great, I'm back to being a gargoyle." Well, I'll just crawl into the gutter with every now opportunity to try and sue you, and we see him, and um, yeah, Mo's a handsome chap now you know what a hunk there um what kind of vibes are we getting off of mo because i think maybe it's just the haircut but probably hair alone and the tuft at the front i'd say leo dicaprio but what sort of hunk would does mo look like to you in his transformation uh, 
hard to tell with Simpsons characters, isn't it? But um, yeah, I guess I'd agree with that. Um, God, I'm not very good at celebrities, so I can't really think. Uh, obviously, he's got the graying hair, maybe like a young George Clooney. I don't really know how if he translated Simpsons characters to real life. Oh yeah, you know what? Like, ER, but... ER George Clooney, I can totally see that. We now have Mo, you know, the women are clamouring over him, all the nurses and that, saying, don't be a stranger. And he said, oh, I can't believe it. Is this true? You know, oh no, God, hang on, this is heaven. I died in the operating table and I think you've mentioned to me a few times in the chat before we started recording, Homer, you know, he's, he puts on an MVP performance here. I mean, even from the start, I just goes, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was quite funny that you actually died. We'll tell you another time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is one of those lines that I really enjoyed. It's just such a funny throwaway line from Homer, and it's delivered in uh, Homer's typical, just sort of nonchalant cheerfulness. Like, oh, this oh, yeah. terrible thing happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, wasn't that funny that time? Um, yeah, I love Homer in this episode. I think he's absolutely brilliant as a side character. Uh, a sort of a comedic sort of foil to the more the slightly more straight straight laced stuff that's going on. Like while the mm. actual plot's going on, you've just got Homer being chaotic in the background and coming up with these silly lines and like putting a bit of silliness in to propel things forward or just adding an extra joke. I really, really rate him as a side character. Uh, I think this is a really good episode for him, and he made me laugh quite a lot. Well, with your seasons eleven and twelve, like Homer just goes off the rails as far as wackiness and sheer insanity there but um you know what? i mean i mirror much your opinion there i think he does a great job in this episode and also a lot of genuine support there he's willing to go to the ends of the earth with um mo including when we get to the actor's studio which i won't <laughs> i won't reveal too much yet but he's he's ride or die with mo and you don't see that a lot him actually being really supportive yeah, definitely. He's just like, you know, he's the buddy that you want along on your uh, zany road trip sort of thing. Um, you know, not being afraid to get a bit ridiculous, getting involved with the schemes and all that. Mo is now exacting revenge on all who have did him wrong when he was um, ugly before. And we go um, straight to Duffman at his palatial estate there. And, you Still know, dressed in his Duffman outfit on his Oh yeah, off. he lives the gimmick. You better believe it. <laughs> Absolutely. And Mo essentially does a drive-by on him with a sticker saying, oh, how do you like a sticker on your face there? Slams it, he goes away, and um, do you remember the line here, Sash? Because you surprised um, me with the Duff Man, so can I have your Duff Man and what he says here? Duff Man, can't breathe. Oh, and no. Then... <laughs> and then he slowly <laughs> suffocates. Oh, no, with the gyrating and the glute bridges as well. Yeah, he's still, <laughs> he's still gyrating, he's still entertaining. God bless that man. Oh man, just keeping it, keeping that, those laughs coming. Mo now goes on to his second bit of revenge there. He knocks on this house and woman answers. And um, I'm going to cue this up for myself. This is my absolute favourite moment uh, in this show here, Sash. Hello. Yeah, hello yourself. I'm Mo Sislak. Back in high school, I asked you to the springtime pumpkin dance, and you turned me down. Well, I just wanted to show you the face that you could have been kissing. Yeah! Oh, I was just a stupid kid back then, and I feel terrible about hurting you. Will you accept my apology? Apology? Uh, geez, I wasn't expecting that. Uh... <laughs> Run! 
Man, that felt great! This has got to be the most understanding and sweet, reasonable woman in Springfield. Because she goes, oh, you know what? I'm really sorry. You know, I was a terrible person when I was a kid. And, you know, will you accept my apology? And <laughs> this dumbfounds Mo saying, uh, oh, um, I didn't expect that. No, I wasn't that. expecting that. How about um, passing someone passing someone by and then them turning out to be uh, quite a looker later on? Oh, multiple times. Any of those? Yeah. Yeah. Year 10 Tyler was not it. Also with this scene as well, um, obviously Homer's, you know, helping him out. And whilst he's saying like, oh, this is the face you could have been kissing. He's in the bush and he just says, yeah. <laughs> like backing him up. You see a little shrug <laughs> in the bush. The delivery of that line is excellent. <laughs> and how do we cap it all off when Mo's going like, oh, uh, I didn't expect that. Homer's going through with the plan no matter what and just fucking bricks the window. Run! <laughs> Just, and they just bolt it and oh, apparently Mo's happy no matter what you know that felt great and oh just again the sheer insanity of these later seasons I think it um, works for me and I absolutely loved this I love this this is such a great scene this is just pure chaotic good Homer um, you know just the little side throwaway thing like the craziness isn't the front and centre of the episode but it's just mm-hmm. paired back enough to just be really effective and funny. The brick, though, is, I think, the golden moment of this episode. We're now on to the final act of revenge there. They're outside uh, the Channel 6 building. And it turns out Mo was once a starving artist, a budding actor there for uh, Dr. Monroe. You know, he goes to ready a cast. This must have been you know, decades ago by now. And um, they don't even let him get the first line out and they give him the old next and along. And the... Director behind it, she's saying, you know. What were you thinking? Yeah, you said you wanted gritty. In other words, ugly. I wanted Marianne on Gilligan's Island ugly, not Cornelius on the Planet of the Apes ugly. TV ugly, not ugly, ugly. And that's, you know, killed his chances there. And it's, um, you know, you genuinely feel for Mo as much as he's been this seedy type in many episodes and many seasons before her. They really lay this out well. They really play this well, Sash. Yeah, definitely. He's been through a lot. He's been called uh, ugly, pugly, pug-ugly, fugly, but never ugly-ugly. And that's just a bit too much. I know you're hitting me with a lot of these um, you know, behind-the-scenes personal questions that, so I'm going to... I'll flip it on you now, Sash. Have, you Is ever, it, been have called... I ever been called yes. ugly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Um, you nearly went straight in there, didn't you? Um to be honest, uh, I I feel like I've I've um I've definitely grown into myself. I was I was I was a cute kid, and then I had my awkward phase. Um, you know, I had my braces, uh, my little my little chubby phase in year eight. Uh, straightened my hair to death. Um, I will say, yeah, me and Sash uh, constantly share you know older awkward photos of each other, and it's a right hoot. Let me tell you, it is. It's great. Um, you know, seeing the glow up. <laughs> so I don't think anyone's ever turned around and said I was ugly, but uh, I think awkward would be um would be the more apt apt word <laughs> that answers your question. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> Do you um, want to delve into the into yeah, the well, I've, pro- I've I can definitely I think I've definitely been called it like quite a few times. But as far as stories go, there's one that particularly stands out about. 16, 17, you know, first college course that I did. 
Um, you know, house parties all the rage there. You know, just start getting into drinking and all that. And I was around a house party and me and my mate were busy wingmanging for each other. And we both approached these um, two girls that were really cute there. And my friend hits them with a line of like, oh, you're right, da da da. And we think it's going reasonably well. And then we ask about certain things. And then the one I was interested in said, yeah, um, sure. I mean, I'll go with you to my friend, but not him. I mean, he's fucking clapped. Look at him. I was like, oh, <laughs> just going to hide in the toilet now and drink all this um, WKD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Oh, drowning your sorrows. Yeah. Joke's on them, though, because I ended up downing a load of raw eggs for like 30 quid. So yeah. who's the real winner? We have the old director there. She's still in the same role. She's um casting off um you know Dr. Tad Winslow there. And you know, he's just not cutting it now. He's too much of a hack. So we have Mo Bargin. Oh, before um I go on with Mo and um how he gets the role, I just realized like a few days ago, you know who they would have had um voice in this role instead of Dan Castellaneta? Who? This clearly would have been Troy McClure if he was still alive. Oh, do you reckon? Oh yeah, clearly because it's like a hacky soap opera. I think they would have easily written in Troy McClure um, to do this and have him be replaced. And even yeah, they would have had that, him like try to get the job back. Yeah, I can totally see that. And it, I don't know, just made me a bit sad, you know, it's such a shame there. But I think Dan does quite well with a sort of, um, you know, <laughs> this um, hacky overpowered voice that you got to stop calling me a hack. Mo storms in and says, oh, you rejected me 25 years ago and this is what you could have had. Oh, well, I was clearly an idiot. Like, here you go. And he instantly just gets the role of Tad Winslow there. And Mo can't believe it. He's ecstatic. You know, like his dream, he gets to relive his dream again. He gets to act out his, you know, forgotten dream. Um, But Homer doesn't quite, again, get the plan now, does he? Or he's still going with the original plan. I've been waiting all my life for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Homer, whoa, whoa, Homer. Change your plans. Whatever. And he's willing to burn down, <laughs> even though Moe's got his dream. Uh, Homer's, you just see him menacingly, <laughs> and he's pouring gasoline on the set. He's ready to, like, <laughs> he's ready to burn the whole place down. No, no, Homer, Homer, plan B, plan B, uh, whatever. And he leaves the evidence there. He just leaves the gasoline pouring out. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't, I don't know, in a lot of ways, um, you both would and wouldn't want Homer as your partner in crime, I guess. We now have, it's official, Mo is um, Dr. Tad Winslow now, and they have the credits, you know, for It Never Ends, and, you know, the Simpsons family is sitting down to watch it, and, um, you know, I think the writers do good schlocky soap opera parody here, you know, because Mo's saying, ah, oh, this is never going to work, you know, Marion, or whatever her name is, you know, I'm a clinic and you know you're a three thousand year old zombie that i've brought back to life oh but i love you tad and together we can burn down all the cities in the world just oh it's fantastic shit writing yeah i love it it's great very um you know an amalgamation of satire of gray's anatomy and house and all the rest of it i don't really know i don't really follow medical dramas casualty you remember that banger back in the 90s i mean watching this and these um little actual soap opera bits it just made me think of like how the simpsons react to cory or eastenders and that mm-hmm. like especially these iconic bits with <laughs> i don't know shirley mitchell just going mental with a gun and <laughs> just having them point it yeah 
Come on now, surely you know what's happening down at the I've got a gun, Omar! Shelly, just put it down! I've got a gun, Phil! Because of Moe's newfound success and his looks there, um, Mo Moe's um, tavern is swamped, but just before um, the rest of his friends enter the bar, like a normal drinking session there, I will say um, I appreciate this little um, line and joke from Lenny here. Um, can you remember it, Sash? You know what he says. Um, what so does I'll he say? Yeah. I've got it right here, um, Carl's saying, Oh, Lenny, what happened to that girl you were seeing? Oh, you know, it's over. She got curtains. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> she I got fully... a window shade. Yeah, that was it. Now, I fully appreciate that as, um, you know, all your dad jokes are popular now on Twitter and TikTok, but um, America's not willing to embrace, you know, the blue dad jokes there, you know. <laughs> oh, no. He's blue, yeah. Alan, he's blue, he's filthy. But yeah, Moe is now getting swamped with ladies here. When I have Moe going through his lines with Homer, and you know, he's got a real knack for this acting malarkey there, you know, he's bitten by the acting bug, you know, that laid eggs in his heart there, and you know, the feeling is absolutely indescribable, and Homer with a very <laughs> apt like, yeah, our dog has that too. <laughs> that was a great line from Homer again, one of those ones that genuinely made me full on laugh out loud. <laughs> it's the delivery, isn't it? It really yeah. is. It's just so deadpan, and like Homer really firmly believes he's on the same page, and he's following up Mo's saying, and he's like, "This is my insight," and it's just like, "No, Homer, sweetie, no." We have one of the runners there deliver the latest um, batch of the latest script there, and Mo has a little thumb through, and um, it looks like they're gonna kill off Doctor Tad Winslow uh, all of a sudden. There, it seems pretty permanent. So Mo, you know, he's resorting. We well, didn't even really resort back, does he, Sash? Because Moe's just constantly, as much as he's got this now new fame and fortune and new face, he's still the same bitter man we've seen before there, and it just comes out again. You know, he's gonna go home in a blaze of sour grapes, and that just—I mean—it just fits him to a T, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like I say, this episode gives us a lot of insight into Moe's character and what makes him tick, and apparently, it's just revenge and pettiness and bitterness. Here's a question for you. Um, would you consider Mo uh, any kind of sympathetic character or not? Do you think he's like completely sort of a bad guy or do you sort of see any any sort of silver lining in him? I'd say it could be if they did a Mo-centric episode a uh, bit earlier, but I think it's too far gone. And not in a bad way. You know, Mo is still a fairly solid character, you know, seasons and seasons later and that. But as far as like, good qualities i think he's quite uh irredeemable that's fair he's a bit of an asshole isn't he as are many people in springfield to be fair um but yeah this this doesn't really show him in the best light it's uh very much a sort of to the audience you reap what you sow sort of thing we have mo um you know he's been given the cue that you know uh, it's a skydiving accident in which dr tad winslow dies and he's written off forever so you know he's busy shooting the scene there he's got a odessa this great big dolly bird there in the bath and she suggests oh you know we're having such a wonderful time why don't we take up a skydiving lesson and you know tad agrees and then um sash um <laughs> what happens next oh this is amazing because i think i like this because it's exactly the kind of thing that i would do why don't we celebrate your newfound trust in me by taking a skydiving lesson how could I say no to such a captivating... Ding-dong! Whoa, it's the door! 
Dr. Winslow! Why, who are you? I am an angel from the future. Angel? Should I cut him off? No. Let's see where this is going. And what do you have to tell us, oh, angel of the future? You're going to die in a skydiving accident. How tragic. Tell me more. Gabriella's baby shower will be invaded by terrorists with sexy results. Ooh, that's unexpected. What else? Well, Sister Bernadette will leave the convent and start a softball team with sexy results. You know me, love a bit of dressing up. Um, yes, for anyone who doesn't know, um, <laughs> Sash is a very avid um, improver there. Yeah, and also a lot of closet, uh, closet cosplay, you know, just making stuff up on the fly. I'm all about face paint, dressing up. If there's ever a costume party, I'll always, you know, go all out. I thought um, you'd put more effort into um, what Homer does here, though. Yeah, uh, Homer's just got some sort of white robe, some tacky cardboard wings. He shows up. Hello, Dr. Winslow. <laughs> I am an angel from the future. <laughs> Just really the hammiest uh, performance. It's wonderful. It's exactly what a kid thinks a ghost is. Like, even like the hand motions, like, to, ooh, scare you. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, Homer just completely, um, just completely rips into them, you know, with the help of Mo there saying, oh, you're going to die in a skydiving accident. And they're not even willing to hide it. They're just literally reading from the script there. And um, what's going to happen with these future storylines, Sash, there? Um, lots of things will happen with sexy results. It's what and I got from this. Yeah, it's his little looking at the camp with sexy results and his little suggestive eyes as well. I have that pause on Homer's face right now and it's great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good look. Um <laughs> But yeah, the thing that gets me here is uh, the minute she, the producer lady saw Homer holding up that book, she should just cut the camera. And she lets this go on for way too long. But it means we oh. get a glimpse into all the spoilers, which Marge is jotting down. Um, probably Who cares what he's doing, you know? This is a gold mine. Yeah. <laughs> Underlining you know, like, sexy results. Mar- Marge will be there on the fan fiction later on, writing out all these scenarios. I can't think of an equivalent show or, you know, like a show I can think of with the, you know, da-da-da-da with sexy results. I guess you could say, I, I don't know, Game of Thrones, but I think that's just nudity and not proper sexy results. For me, I don't know, for British reference point, I can only really think of, um, did you ever watch Skins back in the day? Uh, oh, I did, I did. Yeah, because essentially, I mean, who we can ourselves there. I know me and my mates watched that a lot because essentially it was just a bit softcore. Especially in like season, I don't know, I'm trying to think of one, is season two or three, it was like, oh, they've got a lesbian now. Oh, and she's fit. <laughs> That's as far as my mind went with, um, you know, the depths of that show. That's relatable, to be fair. Um, yeah, I was a big fan of Naomi and Emily back in the day. So, um, relatable. Oh, yeah, oh, no, yeah. Skins was um, iconic for people of our generation, I think. Ah, now were you Cook or Freddy? Or did you stop watching by that point? Oh, Cook was an arsehole. But to be fair, Freddy wasn't great either. Um, Cook was a bit intense for me. Probably a Freddy. What about you? Oh, no, I'm completely the opposite. I'm a Cook. Fez. You know, he, he'd some. I'd say he'd protect you. He'd probably just lash out of you and then just sort of blame his dad. But, um, you know, oh, yeah, I like a bad boy, me. That's fair. Noted. <laughs> we have, um, you know, Moan Homer, the plan's gone perfectly. You know, yeah, we're rubbing it in your face there. How dare you kill me off? I'm the star there. 
and the director's going, what the hell is that? You know, it's a clearly it's a it's a dream. It's a dream sequence, you fool. Huh? Wait a minute. I thought the yellow pages were, um, you know, real life. No, yellow pages is coma fantasies. Oh, and then I like how it just decides to bypass this. You know, so uh, what time tomorrow? I'm just gonna we're just gonna ignore all this now. Yeah. You know, um, she ends up sacking him. You know, like get the hell off my set there. But Mo and Homer have been escorted. But you know, Mo's quite positive, quite arrogant, uh, if you will, saying, "I'll get your hands off me." You know, with this face, I can work anywhere in this damn town. I can go to any sort of soap opera in Springfield. And he leaves the set and he shuts the door and um, just like those Jackass two bloopers, that massive set ends up coming down. Uh, yeah, you see the deep dive there. The set ends up coming down directly on his face. You know, ah, oh, damn it! I'm not supposed to put weight on my face. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's. I actually winced watching that. That looked very painful. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, and um, I think we can all guess what happens. But uh, talk it through as Tyler. This we turn to the status quo. Yeah, as with you know typical Simpsons and a lot of these series, you know, there has to have a reset button, and it gets pushed here. We get the stagehands there helping the set designer off Mo's face there and there's a big, you know, shock horror reveal and it's Mo and he's back to his good old face and his good old self there and things pretty much are set back to normal. He's back at the bar, he's back with his old, you know, his old mug there and he's quite happy, you know, he couldn't deal with um couldn't deal with all that success. And to think he was uh he was gonna sell the bar to Hooters and Homer kicks himself. <laughs> Love that last little gag at the end there. That's great. Mm. Um, yeah, I talked about this uh, at the start of the episode, but um, this would be if if The Simpsons was the kind of show where they didn't return to the status quo at every opportunity. Um, this would be an interesting turning point. You know, Mo's Bar suddenly isn't Mo's Bar anymore. Mo's a superstar. That would open up a lot of different storylines. Mm. Um, would you? Uh, what would your thoughts be on a world where that sort of happened? A very different Simpsons. I think it could have been done. Um, I don't know, because I quite like Simpsons being um, non-linear and that, but I think you could happily do a two-parter, like Who Shot Mr. Burns? Mm -hmm. And like a couple of other animated shows have done, you know, a lot more two-parters than The Simpsons. You could have him try to crack Hollywood, but even then he's still not as pretty as, you know, a Brad Pitt or a Tom Cruise and have him pay in comparison and come back to Springfield. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It's just like, you know, when there's a drastic change for a character like this, it's interesting to reflect on um, the knock-on effect that could have had if they'd kept it sort of consistent. And the last few words is Mo, um, I don't know, he's, maybe he's critiquing the writing or the hanging a lampshade, the writer's saying, oh wait, surely if I got hurt, my face would change to a third face, why did it go back to my face? And then the credits roll now, again, I'll revert back to previous podcasts I've listened to they hate this ending sash because again it's like ooh lampshade and it's very meta textual or whatever and it's are the writers ripping themselves why should they rip themselves should they try to write better I mean I mean, what do you think of it because again I've had no strong feeling I'd, yeah. I'd prefer it if it wasn't in it I would have had it end on I don't think I'd sell this place to Hooters as like a what could have happened but well, I mean what do you think yeah I think that would have been a good closing line the Hooters gag would have been a good way to end it. Uh, Homer's just disappointed. Oh, and then boom, credits. 
Um, I don't think this is really necessary. Uh, we okay. all know The Simpsons sticks to the status quo. You know, that's been lampshaded. Lampshaded multiple times. Um, you know, it was inevitably going to happen. Uh, they don't sort of need that little nod of like, oh, we're clever, look what we're doing. You know, we know mm-hmm. that it's the same. Things are just the same as they were. Because that's just what you expect from The Simpsons, you know. And like I said, I don't really mind fourth wall breaking. I usually find it quite fun. I like things that are a bit meta. But, um... Yeah, I don't think this really adds to order tracks from the episode in any sort of way. Could easily have done without it. And with that, that is how the uh, episode ends, folks. So, um, Sash, with you, I'll get your closing statements, what you've thought overall about this episode, and then your, uh, you know, your unique rating, if you will. Um, yeah, fun episode. Homer's the real MVP with some great lines. Um, some nice little throwaway visual gags. Uh, love it for the appearance of Duffman, who is one of the most underrated side characters. Very good fun. Uh, really like the intro. Really made me laugh uh, with the fake out fire uh, and the beer festival. Just lots of nice moments. Like um, probably not the greatest episode ever, but like still a fairly solid one. I think uh, got some good laughs, which is generally how I, you know mark my simpsons episodes did it make me laugh then yeah then it's barely succeeded well enough i suppose uh rating oh geez um oh gosh uh i will give it uh three and a half oh yes ah there we go I feel like I'm going to get a lot of this in voice messages now, folks. Um, what have I done now? <laughs> <laughs> now you've unlocked one voice that I can sort of do. For myself, um, when people start slating seasons 11 and 12, I show them this episode as, as an example. I'm not saying it's you know, the greatest episode, even out of that season, but I'd say it's a very solid, dependable episode there. You know, I did laugh a lot of the way through it. There's great character moments. No one really steps out of boundary or does anything particularly out of character. Again, Duffman, very underrated tertiary character, as I've um, already stated there. The only bit that really drags it down for me is the B-plot. The, and it's, I just think it's a nothing B-plot. I think they could have added more to um, the Mo story itself there. Um, but with all that being said, um, overall, I'd give it a fairly solid, respectable... Um, three out of five stickers on faces. Nice, good stuff. Okay, we're going to pull on that random episode generator and see what pops out next. Time to stand up and starve for what you believe in, because we're going to season 12 with Hungry Hungry Homer. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star written review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and the same on Twitter as well, at TylerTMC, or search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. <laughs>